Good morning. That was Stephen Mick. He is a disciple. He is a husband, a father. He's a deacon. And uh, in a few minutes, he's going to leave here to go over to Frailsburg Baptist Church to give the message because their pastor, Mark Vickers, uh, just had surgery and had his tonsils removed. And uh, so anyway, when you're an adult, getting your tonsils removed is a bigger deal. And um, I don't know, some of you may have uh, experienced that before. When you're a kid, you get ice cream. Somebody at the men's prayer breakfast, we mentioned that and they said, I didn't get any ice cream. He said, I was 50 when I had my tonsils out. So anyway, they don't uh, treat you the same. But I appreciate so many like Stephen who serve. There are Sunday school teachers who've been working this week, getting ready for the lessons that they're gonna teach. There are Vacation Bible School teachers and crafts and different, different leaders of uh, various things. They're gonna be leading out this week. That's why you have that banner behind me, the twists and turns. Life is filled with twists and turns, isn't it? It's not just all smooth sailing and a straight shot and so forth. So I appreciate so much uh, those who are going to talk about Jesus to the children of our community. So what a joy that's going to be. But this morning, I also ran into some other servants of the Lord. Uh, you know, Pine Cove has four camps just north of town. Appreciate so much uh, those who are serving this summer. I think they have around 600 summer staffers who are just out there. I mean, 11 miles just north of town. And they're just giving. I remember when we first went there the very first time to take our daughter, Elisa, for a junior high camp. It was out at camp uh, called Outback. And there were these people that were jumping up and down on both sides of the street uh, as you're driving into the camp. So I said to my wife, I said, it looks like a riot. I don't know if we want to leave our kids here. But what they were doing was they were saying, welcome, we're glad you're here. And so I want to say that to those who have been serving out in this heat uh, since the beginning. If you're from Pine Cove and you're serving, could we just honor you? If you'll stand, we want to give a round of applause, let you know we appreciate you guys. You know, the theme of Vacation Bible School is going to be how Jesus changes everything. He transforms lives. And I guarantee you, with that many Christian college students pouring into the lives of so many uh, children, junior high, high school, and even uh, parents go out there too for a family camp. But I guarantee you, there are a lot of transformed lives as a result of those four camps out there at Pine Cove. If you will, turn with me to Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20. There's one phrase you'll hear over and over as we go back through this passage again. We looked at it for part one uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, today we'll be there for part two, but we're gonna have one more message on prayer, part three, in another couple of uh, weeks. Uh, speaking of camps, you'll wanna make sure you're here next Sunday, because Josh is gonna summarize what the student camp was about that they just returned from, centrifuge. And so it's going to definitely have a wonderful sort of a youthful flavor to it next Sunday. So I know you'll enjoy uh, being here. But today we're going to talk about the armor of God. And you may recall there's a hymn that we sometimes sing called Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. That phrase is repeated over and over again throughout this passage to take a stand. It says in that song, Stand Up. Stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh 
will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. So today we're going to learn how to do that. How can we put on each piece of the gospel armor with prayer? How can we put on the gospel armor in such a way that when temptations come this week, we do not fall quickly? The Lord can give us the victory that we're looking for. You know, I know that 4th of July is coming soon. I wanted to share with you a couple of uh, paintings that I noticed. Uh, these paintings are really uh, famous paintings. They were painted by a, a German-American painter who specialized in history, and his name was Emanuel Leutze. But his talent began at the age of 14. He began by painting while he was at his, uh, the bedside of his dying father. And so he would paint a photo or paint a uh, painting there uh, of someone, and then he would sell that portrait for $5. And that's where he got his start. But after developing that talent and being trained in that talent, he began to improve and he started painting uh, paintings of Christopher Columbus and George Washington. Perhaps you remember this famous painting there on the left of Washington crossing the Delaware. He painted that one in 1850 and then another one 1851. There's another painting, Washington rallying the troops of Monmouth in uh, 1854. But I think his burden was, we have freedom, so we should always remember those who sacrificed for our freedoms. Do you know that many of those who sacrificed for our freedoms, they were Christians? Not all of them, but many of them. As a matter of fact, out of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, do you know that out of 56, 29, not only were Christians, they actually had degrees from a Bible college or a seminary. Four days after the Declaration of Independence was approved, they rang this bell. They rang the bell called the Liberty Bell. Emblazoned around the top of the Liberty Bell was the sentence. And here's what it said. Proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Right here in the United States. But where did that come from? It's a quote from God's word from Leviticus 25.10. Out of those 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, speaking of sacrifice, do you know that nine of those men died of wounds and hardships in the war? Five were captured or imprisoned. They were treated brutally. Their families were not safe because the wives and the children, many of them were killed. Many were jailed. Many finished out the rest of their lives penniless. 12 of the houses of those 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, 12 of their homes were burned to the ground. 17 lost everything they owned so that we could have freedom. Wow, do you know that every signer of the Declaration of Independence was treated as a traitor by the British government? So all I'm trying to say is, I think we should remember such sacrifice John Adams said, you'll never know how much it cost the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. I pray that we will. Whenever I think about Jesus Christ, now he died on the cross for us, I think, wow, think about not our national freedom, but our spiritual freedom. 
the personal freedom that we have in Christ, freedom from the penalty of our sin. I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. But you know, there's somebody that is against Christ, against God, and against every Christian, and that is Satan. Satan and all his demons. And so I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, as we once again remember that there is a spiritual battle going on. And so we're definitely involved in spiritual warfare. We can't say, I just want to be neutral. It's not an option. So if you will, stand in honor of God's word. Let me read through this and you can read through your copy of God's word or look on the screen. I'm reading from the ESV translation, which is on the screen, but it says in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, we need to hear your voice above all the other voices. There are so many voices these days that are trying to get our attention. Some voices we see in printed books, other voices we read on digital so social media. Other voices are those that are around us. But we need to hear your voice above all the others. And thank you that you've given us a copy of your word. So speak to us, Lord, this day as we look into this passage. Help us know what we need to know because we are involved in this spiritual conflict. And so give us clarity. Give us truth. Help us to, to know that you're dependable. So bless us as we look at this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are three main things that uh, I want you to see, two of which we've already looked at already. You know, last time we saw that we should anticipate attacks from our adversary, the devil. We also looked at we should assimilate, the assimilation of the ability of our ally. We're told to stand strong in the Lord's strength not in the strength of the flesh. So nobody's talking about us. We're talking about God in his strength. But we also, we'll see today, need to appropriate 
We need to appropriate the armor that we have resting in the armory of what we have available in Christ. Why should we anticipate attacks from our adversary? Well, two reasons. Last time we saw his resourcefulness. He doesn't just have one strategy. It says that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If he can't get you with fear, he'll try discouragement. If he can't get with you that, he'll try popularity or he'll try anger. That's one reason, but there's also, he's so ruthless. He doesn't love us like God loves us. God's for us. He's not against us, but the enemy's against us. He hates us. It says here that we may be able to withstand in the evil day, all the flaming darts of the evil one. Last time we saw how the scripture compares Satan, not to a friendly person, but to a snake, to a lion and to a dragon. And so that's why we need to say, oh Lord, help me be awake because he's out there. But there's a second principle and that is your ally, my ally, the ally that we have with Christ. Whenever we say, I want to become a Christian, I want to follow Christ as a disciple, suddenly everything changes like we're gonna be talking to the children about this week. See, the Lord's not asking us to try and fight spiritual battles in the flesh. Oh no, we can't. So the, the secret is we should surrender to our ally. We should say, Lord, I need your help on this one. I can't do this. That's why it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we need to say, oh Lord, I need you. That's why I'm gonna surrender to you. But we also need to trust his supremacy. He is stronger than the devil's temptations. Remember, whenever you're talking about God and Satan, it's not a battle between two equals. No way. The Lord is definitely greater. There are lots of layers that are layered against us, according to verse 12. If you read it, you can begin to feel unnerved, but don't. 1 John 4, 4, in the context of talking about evil spirits, says this, 1 John 4, 4, you're from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember in chapter one, verses 19 through 23, we saw that Jesus is greater than all of Satan's team put together. But picture in your mind, if you will, where Paul was. Did you pick up on that verse 20? It says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. He was, he was in chains. He had been in prison in Rome and he had been allowed to be, have his own private quarters, but they still had him chained so he wouldn't run away. They still had a Roman guard that, were, that was there with him. And Romans 16, 16 says, I'm an ambassador in chains. He was under house arrest, yes, but you know what? The Holy Spirit was right there. And so as the apostle Paul looked at that man chained there, he thought, you know what? He's, he's ready for battle. How is it that God in Christ prepares us for our spiritual battles? And he looks that guy's armor over and he thinks, you know what? I believe we've got some pieces of protection that the Lord Jesus has provided for us. And so the Holy Spirit began to inspire these words that we're gonna look at today, beginning in verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Before you start your day, do you fasten the belt of truth? 
Do you say, oh Lord, I know that you have revealed to me your truth in his word, but the word truth here is a different kind of word. It means nothing hidden. I think it's referring to integrity, personal integrity. Yes, God's truth, his word, definitely produces people of integrity, a man of integrity, woman of integrity. But here I notice that it says that this is in the middle voice, which means you yourself have to do it. In other words, it's our responsibility. It's our initiative. Before we go out every day, we have to say, wait a minute, I'm gonna make sure that I put on the belt of truth. You know, that word truth is mentioned in Ephesians seven times. Like I was saying, John MacArthur says that this is not the accuracy of truth that he's referring to. It's this attitude of truthfulness. It's this attitude that says, I don't wanna live a double life. I don't wanna be deceptive in any way. I want to have this life that mirrors what I read in God's word. And therefore it results in actions of truthfulness. Are your actions truthful or are you just simply living a lie? You know, John MacArthur writes some of the things that we could lose if we don't put on the belt of truth. If we don't put on the next piece, the breastplate of righteousness. John MacArthur says, if you don't put these things on, here are the things you stand to lose. Your joy, you'll lose your fruitfulness. You'll lose your reward that could have been yours out there in eternity, but you chose not to be a man or a woman of integrity. You chose not to live by the standards of righteousness that have been given to us in Christ. You know, let's go back to that word righteousness and let's look at that breastplate of righteousness. I think it's referring to our fidelity, to our commitment to the standards that are given to us in Christ. No doubt about it, you and I, we should not even go into a spiritual battle dressed in our own righteousness. So yes, the day you became a Christian, you had righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, what they called imputed. It means we didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it. But the righteousness of Christ was somehow deposited in our account spiritually. So we have that, right? But that's what happens at justification. So what is this talking about? Well, in my research this week, what I discovered was, yes, it's all based on our position of righteousness in Jesus Christ, but this is talking about our practical, practical life of living based on God's standards. You know, the Puritans used to talk about imputed righteousness, but then they went on and say, there's something that was imparted righteousness to me so that I can live according to the way that God wants me to live. Would you say that each day you're trying to live by the righteousness that you've been given in Christ? Are you trying to live with the spirit of God, with his help and his assistance? Are you trying to say, Lord, the, the culture is changing. I feel it pulling on me in wrong directions. What you need to say is, Lord, help me be faithful. Help me have fidelity to the standards of God, to the righteousness that I know it's like your birthright. It's your identity, who you are in Christ. You've been given so much righteousness. So why are you living with so much sinfulness? Why are you living in wickedness? 
Whenever God has called you to live on a higher plane, there's a third piece of armor that we also need to put on. Shoes of the gospel. Shoes of the gospel. How many different pairs of shoes do you have in your closet? You don't have to answer out loud. But think about it. I mean, we have dress shoes. We have work boots. You know, we have leisure shoes. Some of us have sandals. You know, some have um, running shoes. Some have walking shoes. Some have uh, house shoes. There's all different kinds of shoes we have. But what about spiritually? Do we go out of the house each day without putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace? And if so, why do we do that? And maybe you'd say, I don't even, I didn't even know there were shoes that I was supposed to start my day with. You know that whenever Paul was looking over that Roman soldier and looking at his armor and so forth, I wonder if his shoes caught his attention because Roman soldiers had really thick shoes, really special shoes. They were going to protect them from when they would walk through jagged rocks or when they would have to march along hot roads, when they would travel through these thorny fields. Just try to walk here in South Texas through a yard. Man, those grass birds will get you, sure as the world. What about slippery cliffs? I mean, it's not always an ideal situation when you're in battle, right? So those Roman soldiers, if they're going up a hill, they need traction. So they had these nails that would be sticking out from the bottom of their shoe. And so all of these things were telling us they had special shoes that would give them traction, that would give them stability in the fight. Because if your enemy knocks you off your feet and you're laying down, you're definitely more vulnerable than if you're on your feet and you can be agile and move and so forth. And so I was just thinking, okay, Lord, help us to be ready. Notice that it says the readiness. It says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You see, this readiness here is not readiness to go and share the gospel, which there's a lot of verses that talk about that. So there's no problem there. If you want to talk about sharing the gospel, man, you got way more verses. But this verse, this context of this passage is talking about not sharing. Over and over, what's the word? Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. It's standing. It's saying, I'm not going to run because the culture comes against me. I'm not going to run because others might laugh at me for my faith and for my standards. I'm going to stand my ground because I know good and well, this is where God wants me to stand. That's the word. It means preparation. It means readiness. Are you ready? Maybe the reason we're not ready is because we're starting the day without putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. When I think about that, I thought, how could the gospel of peace make a difference for me in the fight? Well, remember our enemy, he likes to lie to us. So if you're in a battle with the enemy, you know what he might tell you? He might say, God doesn't love you. Are you kidding me? There's no way God loves you. Or he might say, look at all the sins you've committed this week. You're not accepted by him anymore. You might as well throw in the towel and give up. Don't you know God's against you? All these things that are happening. Those are the kinds of 
statements that the enemy can speak into our mind. But here, when we have the gospel of peace, you know why it brings peace? It brings peace to your heart because you begin to think, wait a minute, the Bible says God loves me. Wait a minute. The Bible says that I'm accepted in Jesus Christ. There's no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait just a minute. The Bible says that God's not against me. He's for me. The Bible says I'm not alone in this fight. God is in me. He's with me. Don't you see that the gospel brings great peace to any Christian soldier who's trying his best, her best, to stand there and not back up on what the Lord has said. But he also says along with that, we need to also take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. There's a lot said about this one in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So let's think about that for a moment. You know, the Romans had two shields. One was just a small round shield that they had. Another one was an oblong shield that was much larger. It was called the thurios. It was two and a half feet by four and a half feet. As a matter of fact, if you crouch down, your whole body could be protected. Let's say that when you're charging up a hill, suddenly they just start shooting at you with bows and throwing all kinds of spears. So you could just pause for a moment, get behind that shield, and those arrows, they're not gonna get to you. You're protected behind the shield. That's the idea. It can protect you. As a matter of fact, I read in one place where whenever the Romans would go to attack, you know what they would do? See, the guys on the front lines, they have the oblong shields. The guys that are back there, they got the little round shields. But the guys on the front line, what they would do is they would stand shoulder to shoulder and they would all put their shield there. Can you imagine that many shields lined up? They said sometimes in battle, it'd be like a mile long. Can you imagine the protection they would have as they just took one step after the other step and the enemy just wasting all their ammo trying to hit them. And then from behind there, they're shooting the arrows over the top of those front guys. And they're saying, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for protection of these shields. But this faith is not a creed. This faith is not a body of truths that we agree on. That's also important. Doctrine is important. Theology is important. Knowing the word of God is important. But in this particular case, the shield of faith is talking about trust. You know when you need to trust God? Well, let's look at it again. It tells us, verse 16. It's right at the beginning. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So that's why sometimes Christians get discouraged. That's why sometimes we doubt because we don't have the shield of faith, the shield of trust. We need to trust God's character and trust God's promises. As a matter of fact, there's a promise given to us right here in verse 16 about the shield. You're not gonna believe it. What it says is, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I wonder how many all is. It's all, right? It's all of them. So there's no excuses for me. There's no excuses for you. 
So God's trying to protect you. He knows this is a very dangerous spiritual battle. And so God has provided in Christ all that we need. And so here the Holy Spirit is inspiring the Apostle Paul to write it down so that even beyond his generation, here we are in our generation. There are going to be future generations that are going to keep things going. And all I'm saying is every generation needs to remember to trust who God is, to trust him. You see, the enemy will hurl at us temptations like doubt and despair, division, distrust, anger, hatred, immorality, greed, pride. But you know what? If I'm understanding what these promises are telling us, we can be immovable. We're not going to retreat. No, when we have that armor on, we can stand our ground, the ground that God wants us to stand. We can even be undefeatable with the Lord's help. We can be unstoppable. We can be invincible. This is our birthright in Christ. Why do we hold our heads down sometimes and accept defeat whenever the victory's already been won for us on the cross? The fifth piece of armor is to take the helmet of salvation. We need to talk about this one. The helmet of salvation, I feel like it's talking about security. The Romans either wore a leather helmet called a galia or a metal helmet called a cassis. But what the Lord was inspiring the apostle Paul to do as he looked at that Roman soldier, probably he didn't have his helmet on inside that rented quarters. He probably had it sitting at his feet. And so whenever he looked down at that helmet, the Holy Spirit begins to work upon Paul. And he said, Paul, you need to know what protects your mind. You need to know what protects your thought life. What is that? Well, it's protection. Protection over not the attainment of salvation. This passage is not talking about how we can be born again, how we can be transformed. There's a lot of passages that, that talk about that. This passage is talking about assurance of salvation when it says put on the helmet of salvation. So he's talking about how we can have assurance whenever Satan tries to use doubt. He tries to use discouragement. He tries to separate us from our savior, from our commander, from the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what assurance of salvation brings? It brings a soldier confidence. The, the soldier says, you know what? I know that he cares about me. The Christian soldier says, you know what? I have assurance that God has finished the work for me on the cross. And so it makes him confident. And whenever he's confident, you know what he is in battle? He's bold. He's bold. There's a boldness that sometimes, not in every life, not in every Christian, but in some of us, we're missing boldness. We're taking our cues from everyone else, but we need to say, Lord, there should be a boldness in my life that comes from my assurance that I'm accepted in Christ. But we also need to take hold lastly of the sword. The sword would not as much talk about security as it would authority. Whenever Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, Matthew records what happened. In Matthew 4 verses 1 through 11, Satan tried to tempt Jesus away from the Father's plan three times. All three times, Jesus responded the same exact way. What did he say? As it is written, as it is written, as it is written. 
The Word of God is our offensive weapon. It's what we fight with. The Word of God represents the machaira in Greek. It was the word for the sword that was anywhere from six inches to 18 inches. It was made of iron. It was a short sword, but it was sharp on both edges. So it was a double-edged sword. And it's called the gladius. Does gladius sound like anything you've ever heard? Gladiator? Gladius. But then notice the, not only the offense that is used with this sword, but notice the origin of the sword. It says the sword of the Spirit. This is the sword that the Spirit came up with. The Holy Spirit was in, inspired all of these people to write the Bible so that we would have something to fight with. So that we would know, wait a minute, I don't have to put up with that in my life. And notice that it's also clarified for us, what is the sword of the Spirit? Well, it's so clear. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wow. You know, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 says this. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, sometimes that's why whenever someone is teaching in Sunday school, whenever someone is talking to you about the gospel, whenever you're hearing someone proclaim what the word of God says like this time, it's like you feel like you've been penetrated. It's like, whoa, that's going down deep. Because the word of God goes down there and it just lays open the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Our motives are just laid out bare. So what we have to say is, oh Lord, help me. Help me to wear the armor. You know, the appropriation of our armor, I keep saying that over and over, the appropriation. It means to take something and to make it yours. Have you made all of this yours? In 2 Corinthians 10, three through five, the apostle Paul makes it clear that spiritual warfare is fought on an internal battlefield. Maybe you're saying, let me at him, let me at him. Who do I need to go and fight? No, there's not somebody externally. It's somebody that's attacking you internally. It's not physical, it's not political, it's not relational, it's spiritual. And that's why we cannot fight with fleshly weapons. We have to fight with the spiritual weapons that have a divine power behind them. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through four says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you see where the battle's being fought? Inside our, our minds, in our head. That's why it's so important that we listen to the right voices, that we let the Lord recalibrate our thinking. You know, before General Washington crossed the icy waters of the Delaware River, the colonials had never won a decisive victory. But after that day, 
They won battles at Trenton and Princeton. Similarly, humanity. We just couldn't seem to ever win a battle. And then the Father sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And after He died on the cross, after that, it's like the Lord shares His victory with each of us. That's why it's so important that we go to the Son of God. That's why I wanted you to know what God has revealed in His Word. That yes, we can anticipate attacks because the devil's real. And so if he's attacking your marriage, if he's attacking your thought life, if he's attacking your friendships or whatever he's attacking, your standards, just know who's doing it. But you also need to say, okay, I'm gonna go to my ally. I'm not gonna try to fight this on my own. I'm gonna ask God. He's a tremendous ally. He's provided armor that is available to us in Christ. I love how that song we were singing earlier mentioned this. It said it's finished. On the cross, it was finished. You know, when Jesus said it's finished, he wasn't saying, I'm finished, I lost, the devil won. No, what he was saying was it's finished. I lived a perfectly obedient life to the Father. And I'm choosing to lay this life down for all of us, myself included, all of us who are broken and sinful, all of our sins were placed upon Christ at that moment. And he said, my blood can wash away all the sins. My victory can help them win because he didn't stay in the grave. Nope, he didn't stay in the tomb. The father raised him on the third day. That's why he can help you and me in 2023 to win victories in Christ. Let's stand together. I wanna to give people who are here who have never made the decision to follow Christ yet, who never trusted Him, who never turned from sin in repentance, to turn from sin today. Say, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I want to follow Christ. I want to surrender to Him. I want to be on His side. So what we're going to sing is a song called, I Need Thee Every Hour. So if you've never trusted Christ, this is the hour to make that decision. You will still need the Lord for the rest of your life. We never say, okay, I'm, I'm big enough now. I'm strong enough now. I don't need you. We'll never reach that point. We need that armor. We need his strength every single day. So let's go to him right now in prayer. Lord, thank you for these that have gathered. They're so precious. You love them. You sent your son to die on a cross as a sacrifice, as a substitute for my sins, for our sins. It's just amazing. And so, Lord, I just wanted them to know the truth that the, the Word of God says, the truth that there is hope, there is victory, and it's found only in Christ, and it's also found in suiting up in this armor before we go, go out each and every day. So may we wear the armor faithfully so that we can win victoriously. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.